just like that, we're back. It's Chasing Interesting. I'm Craig Hoffman. Thanks for checking out my podcast. And a pretty simple thing happened. Uh, we were on a roll. We had Clint Yates to launch just like I wanted. Had an amazing conversation with Mary Mancini on politics. And I had big plans to continue down roads of wherever my heart took me. That's the whole concept of the pod, chasing interesting. And then the coronavirus happened. The entire world shut down. Uh, my job with the Washington Spirit actually allowed me to have a number of really interesting off-topic for what you would think a soccer podcast would be uh, or a podcast through a soccer team would be conversations. And because that's my job and not my, my passion project like this is, those conversations uh, demanded to be taken place there when – Steve Baldwin, our owner, uh, permitted us to do things like have an epidemiologist on Catch the Spirit. Yeah, typically that conversation would have happened here. It would have happened on Chasing Interesting. And there's still a chance that that we have some of those. And, and I do want to talk to more experts about this virus and try to spread good information because there's a lot of information out there and it's changing rapidly. And I think even having conversations about what is good information and how that can change would be an interesting conversation. But because of that, this podcast has essentially been on hold. Thankfully, things have settled down uh, professionally enough to be able to pick it up. And there's also been something that I've really wanted to scratch, an itch that just will not go away. And that is conversations with my fellow sportscasting brethren. So what I'm hoping to do over the next couple of weeks is essentially a mini-series of talking to colleagues of mine in the industry that are not working right now or whose jobs have dramatically changed because of the change sports landscape and how these last few months have been from play-by-play broadcasters to studio hosts or to people who are formerly that, which brings us to our conversation today. Someone who's young in the industry and Gina Salvatore and I became Instagram friends first within really the last like six weeks. This is someone who I've gotten to know uh, just through social media and we'll talk about how awesome social media connections are in this podcast, but Getting to know Gina has been really cool because she's just a super cool person. And the more I got to know about her, the more interested I was in her entire story. Uh, she was most recently working as an in-game host and social content uh, creator, I guess, for UConn Hockey in the UConn Athletics Department. She also has a full-time job with Lululemon uh, working in the store, but also doing social content with them in West Hartford, where she lives in Connecticut. So she is uh, a person who has a very similar interest to me. She's someone who I think is an up-and-comer in the sports broadcasting industry. And if, hey, if, if I can shine a little bit brighter on someone who is a great person and who is working hard to start her career in this, then even better. That's not really, I don't see this as a charity project by any means. Gina doesn't need help. She just needs to keep getting opportunities because she's good and she's going to continue to shine. And, and, you know, I think for hopefully some people you'll, you'll be like, Hey, wasn't that, that woman who I saw on Craig's podcast or who I heard on Craig's podcast way back when, and hopefully that way back when actually won't be that long from now as things start to kick back up. And hopefully she's got big things right around the corner, but she was an actress. Uh, she can sing. She's way more talented than I'll ever be. Uh, and with that, here's our conversation. Gina Salvatore on Chasing Interesting. Let's see. Where do I want to start with you? Um, all right. How'd you get into? How'd you get into media? Let me let me start there. Oh, long I feel like story. that gives. I feel like that gives us a <laughs> both a point to go forward from and a point to go back from. So um, so funny. So I actually grew up. Um, I did sport, the whole sports thing. My parents put us in sports. My parents also made sure we took dance classes. 
um, I was the only one in my family that was blessed with some vocal cords. So I was in like various choirs and things like that all through middle school. And when I got to, when it was time to go to high school, um, we have a performing arts high school in the next town over. So I was like, you know what? I love singing. I love dancing. I think this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. So I ended up going to school. I went to public school half day. And then the other half of my day, I focused um, just on like musical theater, singing, dancing, acting, whole nine yards, doing the thing. Did that for four years. And at the time, you know, social media wasn't big. I was like, I can't picture myself anywhere else but Broadway. Went to school for acting. Last place I wanted to be was UConn. Where did I go? UConn. Because <laughs> you grew up in Connecticut, right? I grew up in Connecticut. Okay. I'm like, I'm 40 minutes from UConn. You know, I grew up going to games. I knew like basketball capital of the world. I knew UConn well, was I went to acting. Syracuse, so we can fight about that. But, you know. Okay, we absolutely, <laughs> we'll get into that later. Okay. So I went to UConn. I fell in love with the campus the, the minute that I went to visit once I got into the acting program. Spent four years there. And then right after I graduated, I was auditioning in New York City, like three, four, sometimes five days a week, commuting back and forth. So I'd wake up at like three o'clock in the morning, I would take the train in and then come back home. And at the time, plot twist, I was also competing in pageants with the Miss America organization, Oh wow! which is, um, so they provide, um, they're one of the leading scholarship providers for women. So I was sitting, I would already finished undergrad. I didn't have any loans. I was sitting on almost $15,000 in scholarship. I was like, what do I do with that? <laughs> Guess I'll go to graduate school. Um, took, I, I didn't even know, but at the time I was like running one small social media account just because I really liked it. I enjoyed doing that type of stuff. So I was running it for someone else. And I said, you know what, if I could side hustle running social, why not? Like while I'm at auditions. So I went to school and got my MBA in marketing while I was there. I was still working in theater, doing that whole thing. And I think something just clicked. I was like, I don't love this. I just, mm. I don't love being in this room anymore. And I was singing the national anthem for almost every sports team in Connecticut. Like any team that would have a live singer, I would sing for them. I loved oh, singing wow. the national anthem. I, but then it was like, do I want to sing or do I want to go watch the games? Mm-hmm. And it turned into, I want to see the games. And my, the number one sport that I would sing for was UConn hockey. Thankfully, when I decided I don't want to be in theater anymore, two weeks later, UConn was hiring for an in-game host for football in men's ice hockey. So I like auditioned, interviewed, and thankfully got that position. Um, and then I've spent two year, two seasons with them. And this past year, I was like, okay, you know, they were like, do you want to run the social? That was my first year. They were like, do you want to run game day social? I'm like, oh, sure. You know, just putting my Instagram skills to good use. But then you see all these other teams like really turning out amazing content. So I thought like, how do I do that? Um, So I bought a camera. I made a huge investment in a camera. And I said, we're going to do the game day drip thing. I'm going to shoot the photos. And somehow, some way, my job became so much more about like catching these guys in like their cool suits before they walk in and like who they are before they hit the ice. And it became just mainly this digital media job. 
And then I also do the digital media um, for my full-time job. I work at Lululemon. So mm. um, I handle digital media over there as well. So that's kind of how I yeah. stumbled into it. That's a lot of, that's very cool. Um, what, what is it about that part of it? Like the, like what attracted you to doing the, the game day drip and, and kind of that element of it? Oh man. So I, there's something so interesting about like who these players are as people before they're an athlete. And that's the story that I like to tell when, whenever I get the chance. So showcasing them and like their game day drip, like that's a reflection of who they are as a human in their personal style, because everyone else out there wearing the same uniform. The only thing that differentiates you is the number in the last name on the back but who are you before you take that time, you know? So catching them in the drip. And then I, you know, started going out on the ice when they were just, you know, taping their sticks and catching them, they would all just, you know, they would be juggling pucks and doing, you know, these little games where they try to, you know, get the puck into a, like a certain spot on the ice and just capturing them before they take on this almost like very serious persona, like game day um, was just really cool. And to be able to showcase that to people, I want people to fall in love with, the athlete, because no matter how the team performs, I think that if you love, like when I was younger, I loved Alfonso Soriano, my favorite game. One of my favorites too. Yeah. Yes. Definitely had a Soriano jersey at one point. I, I have a signed baseball. I still have like a Rangers t-shirt right now. Um, loved Alfonso Soriano. And I mean, I wasn't really old enough to understand everything about baseball, but I knew like, okay, it doesn't matter that they lost. Like Alfonso still played great and whether or not he did. <laughs> right. Um, and I was like, he hit the ball. So I kept watching because of him, not because mm-hmm. the team was performing well or poorly. It was because of him. And I, so I always think if, if the fans are able to fall in love with the players individually, they're going to keep coming back whether or not the team performs. That's crazy that you say that because that is almost verbatim what I have brought, tried to bring it anyway to the spirit and like the the very new job that I have as of February where I'm no, like I always loved telling stories and I always loved and thought it was really important as a journalist to whatever level I was a journalist because I was covering sports. Like it's not like I was doing hard hitting important stuff, but on occasion, like we did, I broke some pretty big stuff over the years. Um, But like, it's one thing when you're doing it there, but when you're doing it for a team to feel that responsibility of like, all right, I'm trying to further the, the business of, and in my, in our case, like the business is how beloved they are of this team. And to feel like the best way to do it is to share who the people are, because that's exa- like, that is legitimately almost verbatim what I said in like an all staff meeting in late February when we were still allowed to all be in the same room uh, yeah. and go, and I was like, look, Every time that we can interact with a fan and whether that's in person or over the internet and get them to fall in love with one of our players so that they are begging their parents or if they're an adult, they make the decision themselves. They want to go support that person. Then we've done our job. And like that element of connective storytelling, and it doesn't have to be like, it doesn't necessarily always have to be. And I think like when people think about that, it's like, oh, you got to get the heartstring stories. You have to be Tom Rinaldi out here making people cry. It's like, no, I, people like funny people. Like you can make right. people laugh and, and you can have that same connectivity. I mean, I think that's so true because, you know, I have had the opportunity to become pretty close with so many different season ticket holders. I'm running around the arena. So I meet a lot of different people mm-hmm. and 
there was, you know, a father-son duo. They'd had their season tickets for a number of years and they, they love, 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 love one of our sophomores. They were like, I would come watch him at, for any team he played for. And like, that's, that's what creates that experience. And, you know, when, when he almost like when he scores, like they win. Right. When he, he has a great game, like they're having a great time. And, you know, not that they don't love the rest of the team, but they feel so connected to it. And especially now they're like, I hope that we get like that fans are able to watch all these games in person. I can't imagine going a season not being able to cheer him on in person. And they don't know him. They've never met him. But because of what they know about him from his ice skills and what they've seen on social media, they've just dubbed him their favorite player. And I think that's really important just for fans to have that connectivity. Mm. And right now, especially I'm looking at some of like my favorite MLB players. I'm like, what are they doing on social to connect with their collective? And that's been kind of cool too. Yeah. And I think that's another interesting part of like, once you get into this business, the, I don't know, you just, you stop rooting for laundry. Um, In a lot of ways, like I don't really root for teams anymore because I know too much. And I'd rather just like one, I need to be able to be objective and you need to be able to cover every team the same, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you also obviously want to be able to cover every player the same, but as you learn more information about them, like you go, Oh, that like one of the most obvious ones in the whole world is Steph Curry. Like I was around the NBA. I used to be around the NBA a lot more and like, you just never heard a bad word about the dude. And for all of the things that I've ever read, no one has anything bad to say about Steph Curry that is worth listening to. Like there are some people that may not like his cockiness on the floor, uh, but like you've never heard the Steph Curry is a bad guy story because it doesn't exist because he's not. As opposed to some other guys where you're like, ah, that guy's kind of a jerk. And like even my one and only experience with Steph, um, I, I talked to him in the Warriors locker room back in like 24, like before he was MVP Steph Curry. It might've been early in that season, but like before he was what he is now. And like, he couldn't have been nicer contrast it with someone else who was, I'll, I'll save the name, but like it was roughly at that same level that I had tried to talk to as, as an opposing media person, you know, a couple weeks earlier as they came through Dallas where I was living at the time. And like that dude wanted nothing to do with me, wanted no part of a conversation, nothing where Steph and I had this very like human interaction. And it was, it was really cool to be able to have that conversation, ask him a couple of things um, that happened to be away from basketball. It was actually about, uh, we were talking about the Panthers because we both grew up in the Carolinas going to games down there. But like to be able to have that human moment, like that doesn't happen with every athlete you come across. And so, you know, you wind up rooting for guys like that. You wind up rooting for the players that you have an interest in. If it can happen to us, how can we then as storytellers translate that out to the audience? I think is like, that's the magic. That's the skill. When people talk about talent in media, like, yeah, what Stephen A. Smith can do, the ability to have a take on anything, like, yeah, that's one form of talent and it's made him a lot of money. And sometimes I've wondered if I had just done that, like, would I have a lot more money? Probably. But, like, that's just not who I am. And, and the ability to, like, tell stories and to really connect with people uh, and have that story then connect back to an audience, I think, is is one of the most underrated skills that you can have and, like, what makes true storytellers special. Yeah, and I think another thing, just besides, you know, like, fans, is there's been a really big push over the past couple of years with, like, engaging, like, the youth of America and mm-hmm. really showcasing the reason that I also love you know, connecting with these athletes on a different level, like their human level is to show, you know, young athletes that 
they can do this too. You know, right. it's not just for, you know, this special kid from this specific town in this specific area with a specific story. Anyone can do this. If you put your heart and soul into it, you try really hard. They're humans too. They came from, you know, they went, they all went to school when they were younger and they did this and that and they went to practice and they made it. And to be able to tell that story to younger generations too, I think is also really important. For sure. Um, yeah. And I, the other thing that I love is storytelling wise, and this is more on the floor than like away from it is the trying to explain how extraordinary these athletes are. Like, well, yes, everyone like you, you want to tell kids like, Hey, give it your best shot. Everyone can do it. But it gets to a point where it's like, yeah, I pretty much realized I couldn't run that fast or jump that high or like right. the ability to shoot and make that many or throw a football that hard or whatever it may be like that's special. And that's, yeah, it's crafted with work, but the genetics and whatever else that, you know, you don't want to tell a 10 year old, but you know, by the time a kid's 15, it's like, Hey buddy, you might want to start studying. Um, but <laughs> I mean, I was there, I was there. Yeah, I but grew like, up thinking I was going to be the next Mia Hamm. Here I am. <laughs> right now you're stuck talking to me. Um, <laughs> Then again, I talked to a lot of girls that or, or women that were, thought they were going to be the next Mia Hamm. That's just because I happen to work for a women's soccer team, but I don't think that's going to help your soccer cause. Um, but, uh, you know, it, the ability to, like, try to explain, and I've never found, like, the right ways to do it um, because it almost sounds like superhuman, like, to try to explain the speed, the precision, the accuracy. Like, you just have to sometimes see it. And so the ability mm -hmm. to also visually tell stories, I think, is that's where it's you know, it's next level is like, how do you display the, the elegance, the grace, the athleticism, the power, the everything of not just like a football player, but like of a women's soccer player of like, you know, a, a woman on the team that I work for, like that she is one of the best in the world because she can do X, Y, and Z. And if you tried it, you'd fail miserably. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> not you specific, I mean, you general, okay, not directed like, at Eugenia. I mean, you, yes, you can do anything. But um, my, two of my very best friends work for a WNBA team. And so I've gotten to go to a lot of games and just to, you know, he, I hear them talk about these athletes, you know, like off the court and then you sit there and you watch them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's not, I understand that like working in sports is my job sometimes, but sometimes I really am taken aback because I'm like, wow, how did you get to have this skill? But so much of it is you know, like I was only blessed to be five, three, like I am not six one. And so, so much of it is genetics because you, right. can, you can jump over everyone and I'll be on the floor. Right. Right. Or like, I mean, you know, even I, I almost feel bad saying this, but like when I would go to our games last year before I was working for the spirit and I had the, the amazing opportunity, thanks to our owner, like uh, as I was becoming friendly with him, that he gave me seats in these field side suites at Audi Field. So I'm literally next to the field. Like there is a, I don't know, four foot barrier and four feet of grass between me and the players, like where I'm sitting. Mm -hmm. It's nuts. And I know they're the best in the world. Like cognitively, I know that. But to see the precision, the speed, and the accuracy of everything that they do up close to see how hard the, the balls are coming in and then the ability for them to stop it on a dime turn cut make a quick decision like 
I mean, the same thing is true. Like we've all watched NBA basketball up close or on TV for for years, but like go sit courtside and tell me that your experience isn't different, or like how right. fa- how the collisions are in in NFL football, or even like I'm sure for you sitting ringside, like the difference in watching a hockey game on TV versus what you experience ringside, it's got to be crazy different. Oh, absolutely. Like I, it just the the technical scale, the way that they that you can see up close, like how they they're on ice skates, which right. I mean, yeah, I know how to go forward, but I mean, ask me if I can stop and go in circles. I mean, that's a little beyond my skill set. But the way that these guys are able to stop, turn, move left, right, go back on just the flip of a switch, you don't get that experience from TV. Right. And trying to capture that is, is sometimes hard, um, but that's our job. And hopefully occasionally we do it successfully. It works sometimes. Yeah. For every like 20 pictures you take, you're like, oh, one golden one thing. Oh God, photography so frustrating. I, I've, I've done more of that in this job than anything else and, uh, or than any of my previous stuff and trying to sports photography. Like I have such an appreciation for the people that do that. Well, it's, it's Absolutely. unbelievable. Um, when was the moment that you knew you were done acting? Ooh, that one. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, there was like a distinct moment. I was stage managing a show Uh, for a theater company that I had been with for 10 years. That was like my home. I grew up there. I accredit so much of my youth to them. And like, they saw me go through high school and all of college and post-college. And I sat there one day during the last season and I just said, I don't want this anymore. I sat there. I was, I was bored. Wow. I was like, this is something I grew up with. This is what I thought my entire life would be. Like all I did was imagine myself like taking a bow night after night on Broadway and I no longer wanted it. And I mean, it's so scary that you're, I've spent so much time and a lot of money training for this. My entire college, and I, I, I was like, my entire collegiate career is here. Where do, what do I do? And so I just really took a leap of faith. Thankfully, I knew people in the sports world and they were so willing to give me advice, but I really was. And I think, you know, being a woman in sports isn't always the easiest and especially trying to like break through, like people don't, you know, I, I can sit at the bar and chat with the guys about sports. And so often I, I met with the, oh, you know that, you know, you know about that, you know, that player, you know, that team, you know, that play. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, actually I, I do. So to be able just to say like, okay, I believe in myself. I'm confident enough. Like I've seen, you know, I've, I've the Maria Taylors and the, you know, Sam Ponders, Holly Rose of the world. Like you look at them and you say, okay, I can do this. And I just went for it yeah. after that day. It makes it, day. it makes someone like Holly so amazing. Who's it's crazy because she's not like she's not like she's old, but she's older in terms of the relative to most female sportscasters. And for her to have the confidence to do that as she came up not having anyone but like a Leslie Visser, like you literally have like three women coming up. And like it's interesting hearing you say that just to know that part of your self-belief came from having role models. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and actually we come across that a lot with some of our older players because uh, – there's like a distinct cutoff of like our rookies. Yeah. When they were growing up, there was an NWSL for them to look up to and be like, Oh, I, I want to aspire to be a professional women's soccer player. Cause that's a thing that exists. But I just can't imagine 
growing up in a world where like the thing that you don't want or that you want to do isn't there for you to look at and have an example of. And so I'm sure you're, and I don't know if you've connected with any of those women that you look up to, but it, thank God you had them, you know, that, that has to make the, the journey a, a little bit easier. Although I'm not saying that a journey like yours is easy at all. Right. No, I mean, thankfully I have had, like, I became best friends with um, the team reporter and she also handles digital media for WNBA team. My two best friends are there. I reached out to her on Instagram. I was like, Instagram is good for connections, you know? Oh, it's the best. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, really. I believe in the power of social media connections, like nobody's business, but really like I saw her in an Instagram ad for her graduate school program and because she oh, went wow. for sports journalism. And, who, and who is this? Her name's Robin Brown. Okay. She works for the Connecticut Sun okay. and New England Black Wolves. And I said, then I, I stalked the crap out of this girl. <laughs> I was like, she, number one, I was like, she's stunning. And she does sidelines and she does it. Okay. So I followed her and thankfully she followed me back. Got the whole and package, then, you know, you bless. just have those yeah right you get that notification you're like amen yeah um and then you know you have like that cute like interact with each other like via stories and things like that Mm -hmm. like you react to people's stories and then finally you know like we just got into conversation because we realized we had a mutual friend and then she invited me to come down and see a game and so I then you know went down to to watch a basketball game and finally got to meet her in person and from that day forward like now we're literally inseparable um but she thankfully has we've both had different experiences, um, but we're able to lean on each other for that. And so many times, like we have our own content, we're, we're our own content committee. We bounce ideas off of each other. And she was the one who like really encouraged me to like go for the game day drip with UConn hockey, which you really don't, you don't see hockey players doing the drip situation right now. Mm-hmm. It's really big in basketball, but I was like, this is something we can take. And she was like, do it, please do it. So She's another like huge catalyst behind a lot of the content ideas that I have as well. Yeah, that's cool. You need people who believe. Yeah, um, 100%. Just to kind of wrap the, the acting part of it, though, I remember having a conversation at one point with my mom when I was unemployed in between broadcast jobs. <laughs> and it's just like, it's this conversation of like, what if it's over, basically? Like, mm-hmm. and for me, it wasn't involuntary, but it was like just a reality. Like this business sucks. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure I can do this, but like this business is brutal. I don't know if I'm going to get another gig and like, do I start putting you know, any kind of investment emotionally or financially or whatever towards something else. And she basically was like, you idiot, you've put so much into this. No, like you better run this. You better, you owe it to yourself to run this out. Did you ever have a moment like that where you're thinking, am I giving up on this too early? Or did you know, like, nah, I'm done with this and I'm so ready. And especially because you had a concrete thing to look forward to that you were ready to go. I, you know, in my heart of hearts, like I still sing the national anthem all the time. I still sing in my car. I still dance around my room. Um, It's a piece of me that will never leave. And honestly, if someone called me again for like the fifth time to audition for Jasmine on Broadway I absolutely would (laughs) yeah but um and you know I'd been in that room for Jasmine so many times and I just looked at it and I said even I think if they called me right now I don't know if the passion and excitement would be the same yeah and I just know that 
like sports was just something I was so passionate about. It was all I wanted to talk about. And I think that following your passion, like where that passion lies, what you wake up thinking about, what you go to bed thinking about is like what you should do. And that was the point that I was at. So I also knew that so much of my acting experience and it really does come in handy with like in-game hosting. For sure. Sometimes I need those things on the fly and to do all of those like ringside interviews and being on the sidelines talking about sports, you have to employ so much of what I've learned um, in the acting world. So right. I'm using it just not in the way that I thought I would be, um, but I was really, I was ready to leave. And I knew that although I, I had invested so much time and so much money that it wasn't going to waste completely because it's also made me the person that I am today. And yeah. it's, it's what makes me so confident and comfortable to do all of the things that I do now. Yeah. Um, it's funny too. I meant to mention this earlier, uh, little known fun fact about me that I will share on the podcast. I actually also went to a, um, a performing arts high school for my last year. Now I have none of the talents you have, no singing, no dancing, no musical talent of any kind, no nothing, but they had just launched a music production program. And okay, so okay. I went for that my senior year and split time between my, my regular high school and then that, and took like a music theory course, uh, which I was decent at outside of the singing. Uh, and then like sight singing, terrible because I can't sing at all. Uh, and then the actual production stuff and pro tools and all that kind of stuff. And I'm so glad that I did. Cause like I went to college actually at first for music production and then transfer or change majors and wound up transferring, going to Syracuse, the whole deal. Um, and doing the, as classic of a broadcast thing as you could do going to Syracuse. But that, that ability to produce in a musical mindset, I think helped me in unmeasurable way or immeasurable ways in my radio career, because I knew how to edit and do a lot of production work and things like that. And I still use those skills now in terms of just the fundamentals of what to think about when putting together a composition, um, whether mm -hmm. it's music or, you know, voice over music with video and this, that, and the other thing. So I also went to a performing arts high school. Look at that. See, honestly, like, I think that everyone, it's like how they talk about football players go to ballet class. Mm. I think everyone just needs to experience the arts. It yeah. helps immeasurably in like the weirdest ways sometimes. Like you'll, I mean, for me, it's the improv aspect for you, you know, is the production side. Mm -hmm. But I think there's always something within the arts that like you can pull out and use. Being around else. creative people encourages creativity. 100%. That's a great line. So I'm going to that there. That's the title of the podcast. We're just going to put that. I just got to go rewind and remember what I said. And then, <laughs> then I'll put it as the title of the podcast. Um, I'm also actually, let's see. There's like two other big things that I want to cover because um, we have mutual interests in these things too. Um, and they kind of cross over. Um, so let's start with just like the general like athlete training thing like you do some training or work working out type of stuff too I, so or coach I, somewhere i don't i used to i okay. used to i used to be a spin i didn't think i was making that up okay you're not making it up okay. um lululemon is obviously you know big active wear company yeah. so a lot As of I times here we, in my vent tech top <laughs> so we um we a lot of us like we work out together mm. um I went obviously competing in pageants. I competed in a swimsuit in front of thousands of people. So um, 
health and fitness is a top <laughs> priority in, in that aspect. Um, but I just really enjoy working out a lot and I did use to teach spin. So, okay. How'd you get into that? I just went to a lot of classes, honestly. Um, when I first started working for Lululemon, I was just working out like at, you know, like the local planet fitness and they just encouraged us to go take classes in the community mm. and I was so nervous because I'd never been to like a fitness class ever They're intimidating. Um, this, is about, yeah. this is about four years ago too so I was yeah I was 22 and I was like I was mortified mortified mm-hmm. to walk in um, by myself like and you're in a dark room this is just it's weird and so um, but I started to love it so I started to go twice a week and then it was three times a week and then I said I have the personality to to teach this mm-hmm. so um, so I started with a new studio and um, ended up teaching for a little bit there and about schedules and everything else is just so crazy. So I'm focusing on other things right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause that's like, that's the other side of everything I do is the, is the fitness side and personal training mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And actually I was in the very early stages of talking to Lulu uh, and hopefully, you know, eventually getting on the ambassador program. I have a friend of mine who's in New York city who does it and loves it. And it's a great company um, that stands for the Absolutely. right things and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then we all got locked in our houses and uh, you can't go to the store and talk to your people when you're all locked in your houses. So I um, can't tell you how many people have reached out to me. Hi. So I'm on the Lululemon website <laughs> and could you answer a few questions? I FaceTimed one hockey player. He was trying to buy stuff. I probably FaceTimed him for 45 minutes talking about sizing and styles. So if anyone needs help, I'm all right, we'll uh, we'll talk after <laughs> we'll talk after the interesting part of the podcast. That that is when chase the chase for interesting is done and the chase for clothing begins. Uh, how did you get started with Lulu and like what's your what do you actually do with them? What's your like what's your role with the company? So um, I'm an educator, so I basically like work on the floor, um, and then also I handle some of our digital content. So creating um, photo and video content for them surrounding whatever you know, our, um, overarching goals are for the the quarter or for the year. Um, sometimes we have themes like for the holidays. Um, and so I just try to take that theme and put my own spin on it. So we have some sort of content. Um, right now I'm focusing a lot on just because we're not in the store, we can't go to classes a lot on connecting with our ambassadors right now and seeing what they're up to. Um, a lot of them are creating, mini workout videos for us. So I edit all of that together right now and then edit photos that they send to us, um, for social media. How is that similar to some of like, what, where's the crossover between that and the sports media stuff and how you see your job in that world? I mean, so like, I mean, I roll up to photo shoots and I'm like, okay guys, like, can you jump over here and lift this and do that? So in the movement aspect, like Mm -hmm. shooting a hockey game, It's a little more fast paced, but um, you're still working with those athletes and it's very much the same mindset when I roll into those types of shoots and like trying to, well, I'm still trying to capture clothes for Lululemon. So it's a little bit different um, than like capturing like a puck or a ball or, um, so I am trying to capture clothes, but like that human aspect, like Lululemon, some people have, you know, everyone has something to say about it. And how do I make our brand relatable to everyone. And so that everyone else can see them themselves in this product. Um, you know, everyone's at the gym doing their squats and doing their, you know, dumbbell raises and all this other stuff. So how do I capture those particular moves 
in our clothes and make it relatable to our people. Yeah. Storytelling, connecting. Yeah. Right. Storytelling always. And which is another thing that I love. I do love doing like video content, Mm -hmm. um, for us. And like, um, we, last year we had, um, there's international run day, which is June something, if anyone wants to run (laughs) that day. Um, but being able to tell the story of like runners in our community and, um, like how we run and that can mean so many different things for different people. Um, so kind of creating that type of story is really cool for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, just real quick, one uh, sidebar on the, uh, on the workout front, how is how you work out now different than when you were doing the pageant thing? Cause physique, like working out for physique is like, that is a beast of a way to work out. Like, I don't think people realize how hard that is. Um, oh goodness. So I was just, I was really strict about the workouts I had. Um, I worked with a trainer specifically. So I only did those workouts. They were created specifically for me. Um, the mindset is so different and not that I've ever been like a restrictive eater or anything, but let me tell you those Trader Joe's junior mints would never cross my mouth. (laughs) Um, I would be out there eating a frozen grape instead. So now it's just like, I move my body because it feels good. Like it feels good to sweat, feel good. feels good to wake up every morning and like hit a couple miles on the treadmill. That's what starts my day and gives me like so much energy and positivity. Um, so now I work out more for the feeling of it rather than how I look. I mean, I still want to fit in my jeans. Like I don't ever want to have to buy new jeans, but, um, I definitely work out more for the feeling and there's less, you know, like there's been a huge transition for me on how, like, you know, it used to be like, do I have a six pack that's completely chiseled that I don't, you know, have to use bronzer to like shade in. Um, and now it's like, do I feel confident just being myself? Yeah. So that, which is kind of, it's a nice change of pace for me, for sure. That's interesting that, that you, your answer for that is a hundred percent mental. Like how does your workouts change? It's not like, oh, well, I, you know, instead of doing X, Y, and Z, I do A, B, and C. It's like, no, I don't go insane about my body in a probably unhealthy way. Um, And I think, I think that's, that's so important just for everyone. For sure. It's just to, everyone is different. Everyone's going to move their bodies different and everyone's going to look different. But as that's, I've always said this. And even when it did come to swimsuit, I didn't, you know, I, no, I didn't need to have a six pack. It was so about how you show up on stage mm-hmm. because not everyone's going to look the same, but how you present yourself is the biggest thing. And I've taken really just that piece of that mentality from competing and like transitioned it. Um, and I think it's just so important, especially now that everyone's lives are turned upside down because you can't go to a gym, you can't go to a class. So what do you do just to feel good? Right. You know? And for so many people that I talk to, it's just that they take an afternoon walk every single day. They get yep. away from their desk and that's what like fuels them for the day um, because they know they can't go to their usual pier bar, or, like spin or wherever they were going. Yeah, definitely. I've tried to do that because getting stuck in this little corner of my <laughs> living room is, now if I don't know if you can see, I got a rower behind me. So that's been helpful. Uh, I <laughs> finally got break. I love that. Yeah. Like, Hey, let's just go sit this out on the deck and row for 25 minutes. Um, okay. All right. Let's wrap up with this this thought slash topic slash whatever what's next for you what do you like when you when you come up with your plan yeah big question yeah let's let's you know just land the plane on a nice coast of uh, the hardest question in your whole life uh what when you 
as you've embarked on this new career and like you think about where you see yourself, you mentioned some of your, your people that you look up to and, and it's obvious where they are on these national broadcasts doing big things. But what is it that you see as your plan that, that you think you're capable of accomplishing that when you lay your head down at night and dream your dreams that where do you see yourself? Um, so it's so much, it's so funny because I haven't even been in the sports world for two years. Like it'll mm. be two years in August. So when I think about that, I'm like, wow, I have so much work to do compared to the people that are already in this. Um, like some of my role models that I mentioned, but ideally what I want to be doing is, um, like creating all that digital content, running those social channels, taking pictures, making the videos, um, doing you know, a ton of interviews with those athletes and not just like to find out the nitty gritty. Like I want to know how you make your three egg omelet in the morning. And right. You know, <laughs> you know I want to know the fun stuff, you know, what makes you, you, what about your hometown? Do you love those types of things? Just those human aspect portions. Um, ideally I would love to work for one organization, whether that's like the Rangers or the lightning. Um, I would even rock like an NFL team, honestly, as long as it's, and I hate to say this, not golf. Um, I think I'm just too loud for a golf setting. <laughs> so I love say, it. No, I, everyone's got another limits. I can't, I can't, that's not for me. Nice so, shot. Hey, you pipe down. <laughs> So honestly, I will work any sport, but if, if the PGA tour called me, I would be the first person to say, yes. sorry, guys, so, you're gonna have to keep me in a clubhouse and I'm probably too loud <laughs> for that too. So it's just, just keep moving. But I could also imagine myself sit like driving the golf cart with a microphone and like having a golfer next to me, you know, we're walking, I'll be in the cart. Cause those, the whole golf situation, that's so much land. I don't want to walk at all. <laughs> so I'll be in the cart. I'll have the microphone. We're going to do an interview that way. Nice. So I'll totally do it. But ideally, I mean, I when I sit down and think about it, I think hockey, but I also know that like I would thrive with soccer or football or basketball. So I'll basically work anywhere for any team, but I would love to focus on one organization and just kind of crack the code to what that organization stands for and who those athletes are and really showcase all of them on social channels. I love it. It's awesome. I think you got it in you a little bit that I've got to know you I over do. the last <laughs> month or so. A bright future indeed. Gina Salvatore this week on Chasing Interesting. You can follow Gina on Instagram at Gina underscore Salvatore and on Twitter at Gina underscore underscore Salvatore. That's Salvatore with a T at the end. Uh, she's great. She really does, I think, have a bright future in this business. Hope to be back maybe as soon as next week with another friend of mine in the sports casting industry. It's a weird time for those of us in sports, and I know a lot of you are interested in what we're doing, how we're handling it. So, And I'm interested, frankly, for some of my friends. Like, I'm curious how they're going through this and how they're processing all this because professionally, it is as weird of a spot as any of us will be in in our entire lives, Lord willing. Uh, my name is Craig Hoffman. Thanks for listening to my podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Craig underscore Hoffman on Twitter at Craig Hoffman. And until next time, thanks for listening to Chasing Interesting.